at the temple. He unrolled a scroll in his home village when it was his opportunity to read, and he read these words. They're familiar, and wouldn't have really had that much of an impact. I mean, they're well-known words. They were words that inspired hope. But that hope was always future. They're always, they're always a jam tomorrow. I've used that here before. You understand what jam tomorrow is, yeah? It's always future. And yet, notice then what Jesus does. We're told, after he read, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Look, you guys are sitting. I'm standing. Okay, she said that we were on a level pegging, then you see. We're about similar height, okay, to the average Aussie. Okay, okay. The speaker stands. In that culture, the speaker sat, okay? So that's why all eyes are fastened on him. This was his opportunity, you see. He sat, okay? So he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him, okay? I don't suppose I command that kind of attention. <laughs> we can at least one listen. And he began by saying to them, and this is the point, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. You wouldn't have heard a pin drop. No, no, this isn't the environment that's, uh, that's taking place here. You would not have heard a pin drop. There would have been rain. This is the carpenter's son. How dare he? It's, it's equivalent to blasphemy. It's why. What did they try and do to him after that? They tried to assassinate him. You see, Jesus' mission on earth was to bring good news. And particularly, and the focus here is to the poor in spirit. Sometimes they're materially poor, but the poor in spirit. To those under Satan's devices, blinded by him and weighed down by him and, and kept down by him. Here's what Jesus said, and it's important to remember his mission. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So that's the target group. We got target as a shop. I remember when we were in Alice a couple of weeks, months back. Uh, so we had, had you know, super-duper binoculars and we were looking out from, from the lookout down into the, into the town and naturally looking at all the interesting sights. Guess what Tiffany, the only thing Tiffany and Theo were interested in? They could see Target. <laughs> you know, and it was just hilarious, you know, of all the landmarks they could watch. Look, Target, uh, this is Jesus' Target. His market is the people he's focused upon are those who may or may not be materially wealthy, that's not a concern, for those who are spiritually poor and who are aware of it. Those who face the stark reality that they're sick, that they're needy, that they're bankrupt. And you can be a multi-millionaire and be utterly bankrupt. And so... God makes the announcement that his son is coming into the world. He's going to remedy this, this situation. He makes his announcement, and this is where we're going this morning, to a bunch of misfits. It's incredible. 
Listen to this verse 8 of uh, what Troy read for us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the one you're waiting for. Hence Jesus says, today in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. Okay, we're going to look at it together. It's a bit of an introduction. A couple of points. Um, don't, uh, don't panic. The first point is about 80% of the sermon. So that leaves about 90% for the second sermon. It kind of works like that, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. Now it leaves 20% for the second sermon. So we'll get to the second point much quicker than the first. The first point is this, and it's the major point. The saviour of the world is born. The saviour of the world is born, 8 to 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Uh, look, I'm still getting used to Aussie TV. What, what would your main channels be? ABC? Yeah? What, what's that? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. please don't take any offence. Uh, what would your main channel? Nine, seven. Not oh, easy. Nine, seven, 25, 26, and four? Okay. Back in the motherland, okay, BBC. Is it got BBC one, two? Okay. ITV, we started with the three when I was a kid. Then, then, then Channel 4 came along, and then Channel 5. Obviously, now you've got hundreds. So there's I, ITV and BBC are the two main ones. We used to sing this song as, a, as kids uh, based on a wash shepherds wash their flocks by night. So look, I think the words have come up. So, and the next slide. Wash shepherds watch, we used to sing, wash their socks by night. You ever sang that? Okay. <laughs> While shepherds wash their socks by night, all watching BBC, an angel of the Lord came down and turned it to ITV. <laughs> okay. Right. Look, shepherds out in the field that are part of the Christmas story. Okay. It's an incredible reality. You know, when you're telling a story, you pick as your audience. Look, if you're revealing something important at a huge announcement... I mean, what kind of people would you invite? Who would you tell? Dignitaries, yeah? Special people. I want you to notice what's going on here. These are social misfits. As a class, shepherds were despised. I mean, these guys never knew what boundaries were. You know, what plot of land that their sheep should be feeding on and what plot they shouldn't. They were regarded as ceremonially unclean because they, because they associated with animals constantly. So thus barred from worship. And as for their word, just like women of the time, their word counted for nothing. Okay. Hey, guys, their word counts for something today, right? But then it counted for nothing. Couldn't give, you couldn't give um, testimony in court. And so these are the people despised, rejected, sidelined. They literally lived in the field. This wasn't a nine-to-five job. You know, you clocked in, you clocked out. Well, you didn't get back to your farming cottage. You know, British farming is lovely. We used to live on a farm. You know, you've got your lovely cottage and your good wood fire, you know, and your stove 
going constantly, and then every now and then you pop out to make sure the animals are okay, you know, to the dirty work and come back in. Now, these lived out with animals. They're looking after sheep. Ironic, really, because who is Jesus? He's the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. I guess it's a normal night, okay? There they are going about their business. The way it would work is of an evening, particularly that the sheep will be gathered into a safe place, maybe a pen of some nature. Um, if you think of John 10, when Jesus talks about being the gate, the idea is that a shepherd will sleep in the gateway so that nothing could get by him. There may be more than one, and so there were certainly here groups of shepherds that are obviously culminating together and have a chinwag. You could do a shift system. Some slept, some stayed awake. In that environment, you know, no doubt some are asleep, some are talking, and some are dozing. You know, it's like when you're having a chat and you're with somebody who just doesn't know when to stop. Have you ever been with somebody who just, you know, just doesn't know when to stop? It goes on and on and on, two and three in the morning. I would never do that. If you're, if you're ever away with me, okay, 10.30, like clockwork, I get my pyjamas on, brush my teeth, say goodnight and go to sleep. Not. So look, they're dozing, in, and no, they're in and out of sleep, and all of a sudden, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared. Okay, it's not subtle. This is an appearance, and the glory of the Lord. I mean, how subtle would you imagine the glory of God is? This is, this is a stark, okay, immense event. Look, the glory of the Lord. This is, a, this is you know, magnificent, shone all around them. Back in the UK, okay, if you hadn't worked it out, that's where I'm from, <laughs> okay, because it's so cold at Christmas, and, you know, Christmas is spent watching TV, really, you just watch TV, you have your log fire on or your heater on or whatever, your central heating, you guys just haven't heard of central heating, have you? Come on, it's brilliant. You know, you have one central boiler, you have a radiator, a heat outlet device in every single room, every passageway, every hallway, on the stairway, in the toilet. It means you're never cold. It means you can wear T-shirts in the winter. Okay, but because it's so cold, you sit and you watch TV, you watch a lot of TV. Uh, and over Christmas, all the old favourites come out. My favourite. Um, the next one, please. Does everybody know what that is? Who are these likely dudes, the two on the right? That's their uncle, Albert. Does anybody know what show that is? Trotter's Independent. Only Fools and Horses. Classic British comedy. Look, if you want real old-time good, you know, clean, reasonably clean humour, you know, you, you can get this on, um, on, on your channels, I'm sure, or you can get it on YouTube. Okay, brilliant. But people watch Only Fools and Horses and whatever else, and look, you know what it's like? I've been there... I've watched people, and after the big turkey, stuffing, and everything else, you're really dozy. And all of a sudden, in the film, something happens, it's a loud scene, and you jump. Have you ever been in that moment when you're not quite asleep, not quite awake, and you have this jolt, and it's like, where am I? I think that's what's going on here. One moment, all is quiet, nodding in and out of sleep. You know, on an ordinary right night, look, Nothing ever happens on the hillside, seriously, right? Nothing happens. Nothing bizarre happens. 
the worst a predator may try and apprehend your sheep. It's, that's the worst. We're told that an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. No doubt, absolutely terrified. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Can you see that the angel needed to reassure these shepherds, do not be afraid. Look, we live in an age when we're used to the spectacular, aren't we? You know, you see it, you can go to shows, you see it on your TV. This was a society when life was, by and large, pretty mundane. You weren't used to firework displays. I said, this is spectacular. Do not be afraid. Necessary. Okay? It goes to the heart of the matter. And this is what he says to them straight away. Do not be afraid. You know, unlike some of those preachers, me excluded, you know, they get to their point. Right? Like within the first minute, you know, without beating around the bush. Okay? And he gets straight to the point. Look, do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy for all people. You see, good news in that society was to do with the courier. Particularly, particularly wartime, there'd be a battle going on, there wasn't Sky TV or ABC Network or whatever it may be. You know, you waited for a courier, messenger, who bring news, you know, good news, hopefully, the news of the battle. That's, that's what good news, that's a term used previously, but now it's getting a whole new spin, okay? A whole new identity. Good news from this juncture on, okay, meant, in biblical terminology at least, to bring the good news of a battle ceasing. In effect, we're going to look at that as a bit later, of a battle between God and humanity ceasing. This is, this is the, the ultimate good news. However, think about it. Despise lowly shepherd. There's good news of what's the good news for all people? What's going to be born or who's going to be born? A baby, okay? This is obviously a divine moment. You're a shepherd. You're unclean. Okay? You're unclean. It you, 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 doesn't matter how good this news is. You're unclean. You're not going to get anywhere near this good news. Remember the leper, Matthew 8, that Jesus comes down from, the, from his sermon on the, on the mount, and a leper approaches him. What was the issue there? He was dirty, he was unclean, he shouldn't have been there. And not right. In Mark 5, a woman with an issue of blood approaches Jesus in the crowd. What's the issue there? She should not have been there. Unclean, unclean. Stay out of my way. I'm an object of scorn, is what she was. And Jesus let her touch him. It's incredible. The woman caught in adultery. Ultimate uncleanness. Okay, what did Jesus do? Let her near him. Let her near him. You see, 
It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This good news would have been of absolute no value to these people, except that the angels tell them, look, it's good news for all people. For them. If you can just come out of the story for a moment, it includes you, me, it includes anyone who knows their need of God, anyone who knows the true condition of God. How do we approach God? How do we come to him? There's only one way to approach God, and it's to acknowledge how spiritually poor we are, how utterly bankrupt, and that the best of our works what kind of week have we had? I've lived a fairly good spiritual life this week. I've not thought so many bad things, not said so many bad things, not done so many bad things, not been to so many bad areas. That makes me a pretty good Christian. Doesn't. Doesn't, does it? Just doesn't. We come, every one of us, and however smartly dressed we may or may not be, whatever the veneer, and whatever big sins or little sins. You know, you know, what are the big sins that we think we haven't committed? We're filthy, filthy. Sinners is a term the Bible uses. We have, no, we have no access to him in and of ourselves. But the thing about Jesus, he brings good news to you and to me. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. To you is Christ the Lord. Over Christmas, it's a reminder that right now, I don't know if you're aware, there are wars raging across this globe. People killing each other. There's homelessness, suffering and pain in every corner, even in Adelaide, first world country. I mean, look at the impact of the fires. Hospitals, someone just down the road. There's never a day, and if you go there Christmas Day, there's people on the brink of eternity having major surgery to save their lives. Your witness, ever walk through a hospital? I used to do some stuff in there as a child, work in a radio service. In almost every quarter, people bereaved in tears. Uncertain if that Christmas will be the last with their loved ones. What's going on? Here's what's going on. We're in a mess. The world's in a mess. And I know in our affluence, we can dress ourselves in a way so as not to face the reality. You know, we can appear to be good and holy. But the world's a mess. Things aren't right. There's an issue. The issues between us and our creator. And here's the, here's the thing, Romans 1. Here's the point, Romans 1. Romans 1, 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. You see, there is a war going on. If we're prepared to admit it. It's a war between us and our creator. 
it's why things aren't the way they're meant to be. Because out there, it's a battlefield. You and I are the enemy. And who we're opposing is our creator. God. But the great thing about Christmas, and is the wonder of it, and it is moving, it's incredibly moving, that our adversary, the one that we are at war with, our creator, takes the initiative to make peace. It's incredible. Really. He takes a step to make peace with us. It is in verse 11. Look, today in the town of David, a saviour is born to you. He is Christ the Lord. What's Christmas about? Well, 2 Corinthians, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. We can never help ourselves. And I think the fundamental truth of Scripture, if we read Scripture aright, is not to really go away thinking, hey, I've got to make amends. I've got to do something. Now, the fundamental understanding we get from Scripture, if we read it aright, is there's nothing I can do. I'm utterly in a hopeless mess. But the wonder of it is, therefore, or so, God has taken the initiative to do for me what I could never do for myself. And the response is to, is to move towards him, but it comes as a consequence of his response towards This is what he's done, Romans 3. It's why we've got the cross right here. Okay, this is what he's done. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. It's in Romans 3, the word is propitiation, that we otherwise translating in all the Bibles. It means, and here's one reality, and we don't like to think of, I've already hinted at, God was angry towards people who defiled his commandments. What Jesus does for him, he propitiates or calms or settles. You ever been angry? Really angry? Of course you have. Okay? But what Jesus does, he, he calms that anger. He doesn't just calm it, he completely nullifies it. Completely. So that there's not an ounce of anger or wrath left. You see, think about God, and we're right that he was, he, and his wrath exists. But it only exists to those outside of Jesus. Because the thing that Jesus does, he completely annuls this wrath. It's not partial, and it's not temporary, and it's not dependent. There is a wonder of it. And look, I haven't got time in this message. But this wrath and its cessation is not dependent on your continued right conduct. It wasn't dependent on your right conduct when it took place, and it's not dependent on your right conduct for it to be 
effective. It's outside of ourselves. That's the wonder of it. That because Jesus has is a foregone conclusion. It's a past activity. It's a done deal. That God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. As a once for all sacrifice. That completely annuls God's anger and his wrath. Towards those who believe in Jesus. For all time. How does Romans 8 begin? Therefore, there is now, and that's ongoing, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so that's a reality that Jesus brings. God presents him for that. Hence the carol, the hopes and fears of all these are met in thee tonight. He is the hope of the world, Jesus. I guess the question I want to throw out is, is he your hope? Is he where you're right standing with God? Is he what he's anchored in? Look, we don't have to be pretending. Let's get rid of pretending. We've all had an awfully sinful week, yeah? Let's stop pretending, right? But you're welcome. You're welcome here. You belong here. Don't ever stay away from church because you feel like you've had a bad week. Don't ever do that. Because this is where you're welcome. This is, this is the place, excuse me, where, where it's a symbol of ult- the ultimate presence of God gathering around his people. Look, we're welcome. There's no alienation here. There's no judgment here. There's mercy, forgiveness, restoration, healing because of his incomprehensible love for you. The message of the gospel to you, Christian, in however difficult your life may be, is one of God's welcome, restoration, mercy, and love. Because he's dealt with your sin. Hey, that should inspire us to live more holy, certainly. But it, but it assures us that when we fail, He doesn't write you off. He doesn't write you off. The Savior of the world is born. He is Christ the Lord. Secondly, our second point, and I'm going to be brief, uh, very brief indeed. The Savior of the world is accessible to all. Verse 11 to 14, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, look, the initiative to go and see this baby lies in the location. Obviously, if the baby is born in Herod's palace, I mean, there's, just, there's just no chance that any shepherd is going to get anywhere near. But no, look, okay, you'll see him wrapped, lying in a manger. Shepherd's manger. What's that tell you? Shepherd's manger. What's that telling you? I mean, it's a bit like a, a bricky builder's yard. Yeah? Doctor, surgery, okay? What's that tell you? Shepherd, manger. This is, this is your environment. This is the one place that you can go where nobody will look at you as though you don't belong. Really. It's incredible that God should make himself so accessible 
to those so despised, to those so alienated from him. You see, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. So when the angel left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Okay. Let's go to the manger. You know, that's, that's our domain. And let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And with the heavenly spectacle finished, okay, armed with this revelation, verse 16, they hurried off, found Mary, found Joseph, and found the baby that was lying in the manger. You see, the Savior of the world, the Savior of the world, is accessible to all, even lowly shepherds. I guess most of you, or some of you at least, will follow what's happening with the royals back in Britain. You remember Kate Middleton had a th third child, Louis, born in April last year. It was just before we left the country. There was a scene on the left of that. Now look, the baby was born. Thousands of people wanted to see the child. No one got near him. No one. That's how that's, it used to be our house. We lived on a farm. There's normally sheep all over the place. Don't know where they are today. Okay. That farmer who owns that land, or at least the land around their house, looks after sheep. I know for certain that he never got an invite to visit Louis in hospital. No, no chance. It was never going to happen, ever, you see. And so for these shepherds to have this personal invite, the lowliest despised, I think what God is saying, and this is his point, you see, if you want to make as many people as possible welcome, you start with the lowest of the lowest, you see, because if they're welcome... It's a bit like, look, if you invite an Aussie to your house, you know, anybody else can come after that. <laughs> wrong, wrong country to be saying that, eh? <laughs> hey, okay, it's why we have this thing here, is to, to protect me. <laughs> right, sure, yeah, I never learned, do I? The reason God starts with the lowest of the lowest, he wants people to know that anyone beyond that is welcome. So they hurried, Okay, now look, there's a quote. I had this sent to me by a friend this week. Uh, could I have the next slide, please, Denise? It's beautiful. Amazing bit of theology. A thousand times in history, a baby has become a king. Okay, it happens all the time. But only once in history did a king become a baby. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible. And made himself accessible. A king! To the lowliest of people. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, Luke 5, but the sick. It's not the righteous, those who think they're great, that Jesus calls, but it's those who know they're not. And so as I finish, look, if we're humble enough to acknowledge that we're sick, then Jesus is for you. Maybe for the first time, look, I don't know where any, all of us here stand. But I wonder if today I need to make a first step to Jesus. And say so this Christmas thing I've known about, and this Jesus thing I've known, but I now know 
is inviting me into a relationship with God and I want to come. Hey, you can come. It's, it's as simple, if you like, as saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please come into my heart and life. That's how a relationship with God stands, starts. I guess for some of us, it may be, look, we're, we're far from Jesus. And that we need to get closer. We have been far, or we've been on a journey far away. And it's time for us to get closer to Jesus. That looks like coming to church every week. That's a good thing to do. That looks like listening to the word and reading the word and being in prayer regularly. Good place to start. And to get right with Jesus. I guess for, for most of us, those who know something of Jesus, hey, it's a reminder that I never have to dress up for Jesus. That he loves you endlessly. Sins and all. Because the death of his son remedies our sin. And so he inspires us, doesn't he? But then the thing about living holy lives, it's not against a command. Remember we said that that's, that's, that's Old Testament? The thing about holiness, it's a desire and a response to unconditional love. And so may we know that, and may we draw near and let me encourage you, Christian, don't ever stay away. Don't ever stay on the fringe. Okay, because of Jesus, he's not angry with you. He wants to draw near to you. And let Christmas remind you of that, okay? That he's calling you near to his presence. Amen.